Georgina. Yeah. Um, the time is uh, 04.17 hours. I'm resting here on suspicion of murder. What? Of um, Philip Rolf. You don't have to say anything, but it may harm your defence if you do not mention when questioned, something which you later rely on in court. Are and you anything joking? you do say it may be given in evidence. Are you, are you serious? You don't need to handcuff me. Well, I'd rather we do just for transport and what have you. We're doing it for our own safety as well as yours, OK? I'm just going to wait for um, a van why, to come why round. Why being arrested? Obviously, they need to question you. Um, they what can't for? be they're on suspicion of what's happened tonight. What? What's, what? Nothing's happened? OK, and what you may or may not know. I can't ask you any questions, and to be fair, I don't know very Are much about it. Yes. Seriously? That's why... It's serious? Yes. This is Red Rum, stories about the true victims of crime. 36-year-old Georgina Henshaw was working as a waitress when she was arrested for the murder of 65-year-old Philip Rolfe. She had a troubling childhood, she didn't get a lot of the right kind of attention, and Georgina grew up with her friend Lindsay, who later commented on how much she liked and sought attention from men. She would spend her days drinking alcohol, and by the time she was an adult, Georgina had severe alcohol dependency, and on top of this, her addiction disease meant that she was completely unable to function as a normal adult. She wasn't able to pay her bills or her rent, and even her self-care was pretty much non-existent. Every day was centred around where her next drink would come from. In 2016, Georgina was living on Alder Drive in Birmingham, working at a local Toby Carvery pub at Stonebridge Island as a waitress. While she was working there, she got to know most of the staff pretty well, and one of those staff members was the chef, Philip Rolfe. The pair got on really well, and it wasn't long before Philip made it known that he was interested in Georgina romantically. The pair began to see each other, but if or how intimate the relationship ever got was never properly confirmed, neither by Georgina or Philip, or by any of the people that knew them. What was clear to outsiders, though, was that Georgina was much more interested in Philip's money and on him funding her addiction disease and constantly buying her alcohol than she was in any kind of a genuine relationship with him. Friends saw Georgina as having bagged herself a sugar daddy, the kind of relationship where a usually older man pays for or gives money to a usually younger woman and in return the woman will often do other things for him. These can be as little as spending time with the man, being some company, to full-on sex work. After meeting Philip, Georgina's life began to shift quite significantly. She was in debt and after Philip came into the picture, he started to pay her rent. He would even buy her clothes and often he gave her gifts and all of this started with a single drink one day after work but soon became extreme and constant. Philip was upfront about the fact that he did want to pursue things romantically with Georgina but she didn't necessarily want to. She wanted to keep Philip in her life because she was getting a lot out of him financially but realistically she was never keen for any kind of romantic relationship with him. In fact, at one point, Philip told Georgina that he was in love with her and wanted to be with her, and Georgina did not say anything back. But 
It was slowly becoming clear to Philip that there was no kind of romance from Georgina's end and he realised that he had spent a boatload of money on her and he just wasn't up for this kind of arrangement. And so he told Georgina that he was not going to fund her lifestyle anymore and in fact there probably wasn't going to be any kind of a relationship or even a friendship and this infuriated Georgina. She was used to having Philip wrapped around her little finger. Up until this point, he would do anything for her. If she needed help on paying her rent, or even if she just wanted to go out for a drink, Philip was always there to ensure that would happen. With him now refusing to be any part of her life, Georgina knew that her lifestyle would have to change quite drastically. She had begun to tell some of her friends that Philip had turned on her. She said to them that Philip had started threatening her and that he was stalking her. But Georgina's friend Lindsay said that even though Georgina had claimed Philip was stalking her, she wasn't so sure. Georgina still worked with Philip, so she was likely to see him on a day-to-day basis. There was no avoiding it. And on top of that, she would still meet him for a drink if that meant that he would give her money or buy her the drinks. She did, however, back up some of her claims with text messages to friends. On more than one occasion, she texted about Philip having held a knife to her throat. Quote, My so-called mate put a knife to my throat the other night for absolutely no reason. But even though she'd sent these messages, it would later become quite clear that These were the beginnings of attempting to set up some kind of an alibi and some kind of alluding to Philip's violence towards Georgina that wasn't necessarily true. Now, I don't know this as a fact, but that's just what the investigation found. And as always in these cases, I'm reporting or trying to report the investigation as it happened with the details that are publicly available. What's quite interesting in this set of texts though is that immediately before that message was sent, as you can see, she said, I'm set up to commit murder, to be honest. Georgina began to show aggressive tendencies towards Philip, and in fact, it wasn't just towards him. Georgina's childhood friend, Lindsay, spoke about how after Georgina had had a drink or two, she would become aggressive and violent. And one time after a heavy night of drinking, Georgina had actually slashed an ex-boyfriend with a knife and this wasn't abnormal behaviour. In fact, it wasn't abnormal for after a day of drinking, Georgina would wake up and she'd see a set of text messages that she'd sent that she didn't necessarily remember sending, but often they would be aggressive or threatening. One time she sent this text to a friend of hers. Just went to shop with my mum. I want to kill Phil. I am full of anger and want to cosh him to death. And then she sent one a few seconds later, quote, I'm going to lure him over. And then on the 6th of July 2017, Georgina and Philip were messaging back and forth and she invited him round to her house on Older Drive. Now, Philip only lived a few minutes away and so he got into his car and drove round. And the area that they both lived in was Chelmsley Wood in Solihull. It's a fairly small and by all means, average West Midlands housing estate. Now, we don't know exactly what happened over the following few moments because we only have Georgina's version of events. What we do know is Philip's next steps were that he had been in Georgina's house and he opened up the front door. 
and he stumbled towards his car that was parked just outside. He then opened the car door, got inside, and once he was inside his car, he dialed a number. Now, there are two conflicting accounts of exactly who he called. Some sources say that he called 909, and other sources say that he called a friend and told them that he needed help and that he'd been stabbed. Now, those reports state that the friend managed to get to Philip's car, saw the state of him, and the fact that he had just been stabbed and then called emergency services. Either way, it wasn't long before paramedics arrived at the scene and by this point, it's 12.30am on the 7th of July and paramedics found Philip in his car outside of Georgina's house and they do manage to actually get him into an ambulance and rush him to a hospital. But unfortunately, Philip never made it. He suffered a heart attack on the way to the hospital and he passed away. He'd been stabbed once in the left side of the chest. It didn't take long for the investigation to point towards Georgina. Phone records from Philip's mobile phone showed that Georgina had called him and then texted him saying, quote, Hey babe, you okay? Why aren't you answering? But the investigating officer didn't think that this was genuine at all and instead, believed that it was a ruse to attempt to cover up her tracks. And the CCTV showed this too. Her feigning confusion and disbelief about Philip being dead is is quite obvious. They arrested her at 4.17am that same morning, just a few hours after they'd found Philip stabbed. It wasn't long after that that the officers got a tip-off from a neighbour that had seen Georgina outside their set of houses dumping something just outside into the grassy area and they searched that area quickly and they came across the knife that had been used in the attack. There was ample evidence against Georgina but we've seen it time and time again on Red Rum. Sometimes despite the evidence available the perpetrator can often get off lightly because of a technicality for some reason. And Georgina decided to say that although she had stabbed Philip, she had never meant to kill him. With Georgina pleading not guilty, the case went to trial. And Georgina swore that this had been manslaughter, not premeditated murder. She said that she had actually just been defending herself. Philip had already threatened her more than one time and he threatened her with a knife before this tragedy and he was a violent individual who had been stalking her, she said. She'd never meant to kill him. But of course the prosecution presented those texts that she'd sent as evidence of premeditation. In fact, they didn't even need to prove that she had intended to kill him, just that she intended to cause him serious harm. And stabbing someone in the chest, on the side where the heart is, pretty bloody clear if you ask me. The prosecution stated, quote, Messages between this defendant and Philip Rolfe going back weeks and months show that she was the one in control. She could be quite insistent when she wanted him to bring things to her. They also presented evidence of a phone call where Georgina had called a friend immediately following the stabbing saying, quote, I've stabbed him, what if I've killed him? That to me is pretty clear evidence. Philip's family spoke out, quote, On July 7th, 2017, our lives changed forever when our father, grandfather and brother were suddenly taken from us 
by the evil action of Georgina Henshaw. Her father did nothing more than to help her when she repaid him by stabbing him to death. And friends of his took to Facebook to explain what they were feeling after this had happened. One said, rest in peace, I hope she gets what she deserves. His kids are so upset and miss him so much. And another said, lovely guy, only speaking to him last week in the swan, so friendly. Ultimately, Georgina's defence, pleading self-defence, wasn't accepted. And so on the 27th of February 2018, she was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison with a minimum of 16 years. But Georgina's short minimum term doesn't actually matter for her. She ended up suffering a heart attack in 2019 whilst she was in prison and she died aged just 38 years old. Thank you so much for watching this episode of Red Rum. This is a bit of a shorter one. I really wanted to get it out. It's not hugely well covered and you guys know I love bringing uh, slightly less known cases to you. And if you've got a case suggestion, whack it down below. Thanks very much. Bye.